Welcome to Restoration Basics. This is the Preparatory Podcast. My name is Samuel Jordison. Andrew Smith. Jason Kane. The three of us are in the middle of a Book of Mormon study. If you are just joining us, we're going chapter by chapter, dissecting and talking about the things found in this most precious book. And we are in the middle of the tiny books. We are in the book of Jerem today. And uh, you may be wondering, what can you pull out of Jerem that uh, you three can talk about for an hour? Um, I'm hoping you'll be surprised. Uh, <laughs> there's always the chance that this the conversation ends maybe at a half hour or 20 minutes or whatever, but we will go as long as as we have stuff to talk about. Do you guys have any certain thoughts on the book of Jerem before we um, we go right in reading this beforehand? I really enjoyed Jerem. You know, it has a lot of those pillars of, of faith that we've talked about up until now, and he applies them in a way that um, is relatable and uh, really easy for us to apply to our lives today again. So I, I appreciate everything, even though it's small. Um, I appreciate what he did right. I think we found, especially in the book of Enos specifically, and I found, um, I won't speak for these two, in the book of Jacob, is that while Nephi, and it's first and second Nephi often overshadow the the following books, um, probably up until Mosiah and Alma, is that the, the testimonies of these men um, are important, they're valuable, and they are wonderful. And, and I'm just going to dive right in here to, um, to verse 3 through 5, um, because Jerem kind of cops out, disappointingly so, he gets the plates from his father Enos, and he says that he's actually not going to give us the things of his prophesying or his revelations, which is disappointing. Um, but um, it gives us an opportunity here um, on this specific episode um, to talk about what we've already talked about and to sum up um, the episodes beforehand. He says, uh, what more could I write than my fathers have written? Um, have they not revealed the plan of salvation? I say unto you, yea, and this sufficeth me. And so while I'm disappointed that Jerem doesn't give us new information, I am disappointed that he doesn't, not even new information, gives us a new way to look at it. Um, I can't help but think of that verse we looked at in Jacob where it says um, the Jews just wanted more and more and more and God said, fine, I'll give it to you. But it was so much more that it caused a stumbling block to him and they couldn't they couldn't tell. So I'm going to, um, you guys know the floor is always open. I don't ever want to stand on the soapbox. Um, but I'm going to open it up to, to all of us and say what I have these last few um, months as we've been going through the Book of Mormon taught us about salvation. Um, because from Jerem's perspective here, that was good enough. So what have, what have we learned? I think to your point about what you learned from Enos and Jacob, um, we've learned that God doesn't just deal with these giants spiritually. He doesn't just deal with the Nephites or the Lehi's. He deals with um, lowly Enos, you know, uh, and uh, you know, and I can speak for myself in, in that it's like he speaks, he speaks and deals with lowly Andrew. 
even though I mess up all the time, is that, I mean, he's just always there. And, and I think we really see that through even these smaller books. Um, and what's really cool about this is that he's saying like, hey, uh, kind of like we, we talked a little bit about this, but Paul says in, in Timothy, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which have made thou wise unto salvation. Well, their only scriptures were the Torah, right? And so, like, oh, that's enough for salvation, huh? Well, uh, Jerem's saying pretty much the same thing. Like, you have enough scripture for salvation. You know that God loves you, and you know that Christ is coming to die for your sins. That's enough. Uh, That's enough. Mm -hmm. You don't need anything else. And, And, I mean, like... That will lead you to more truth, but you don't need anything more than that because that uh, you realize that in your heart, you will follow the commandments. You you will. Uh, that's just how it how it is. You know. Well, looking at I'm so I'm flipping back through the the books we've covered, and sure enough, here in Second Nephi chapter thirteen, verse thirteen, this is Nephi talking just about what you said. Wherefore, my beloved brethren. Can we follow Jesus save we shall be willing to keep the commandments of the Father? You know, it's like the simplicity of what we have been taught so far over and over and over again in these chapters. Um, it's all about Jesus and it's all about our relationship with Jesus. And even on the, the episodes we discuss where um, we're off on a, on a different topic and I say that with quotations, right? Because all of these different topics should be grounded in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And that's such good news. Like that is the good news of the gospel is that we have a creator of the universe who sent his son to die so we could be with him. Um, the plan of salvation has been enacted from the beginning. Um, and it's been interesting to go through that and, and see what it is. Jason, you, or Andrew, do just you have- just really fast, what you said, you know, that scripture really applies to um, this quote that I was uh, that I just recently heard. Uh, I'd heard it a long time ago, but I, I was reminded of it today. Actually, this is from a book, um, "Whosoever Repenteth," and his definition of repentance was, oh, and I'm not going to get this hundred percent. I don't think, but it's. It's, uh, oh, dang, I apologize to Here's the, the book by? uh, Wayne Updike, I think. Oh. It's, it was an older book, but, um, it's a church book. Yeah, it's a okay. church book. Yeah. Um, and, and I've heard it's really good. I've, I've heard two really good reviews from it. But, um, anyway, his, his definition for repentance is pretty much, again, I'm paraphrasing. It's an, it's a a positive response or repentance is a positive response to the ever increasing revelation of Christ in your life. And like, I just, I just love that. Obviously that's not exactly how it sounds, but I love that quote because repentance isn't a one-time thing you do when you're sorry. It's the response to Jesus showing himself more fully than he did yesterday to you because he's going to, if you're faithful to him. And, and so like, Every time you make a mistake, you know, like you come to Christ and you say, oh, 
your ways are higher than than my ways. And he's like, yeah, I just showed you that by by letting you suffer through the consequences of sin. And now I'm going to forgive you for, for it. And, and it's our response to, to obey those commandments from then on because Christ is showing himself more fully to us through that. So I, I really like that scripture. There's a, uh, and I think it speaks um, to that um, in, in chapter one of second Peter, this is a little bit long, so forgive me. Um, but Peter's general epistle, it starts in, um, Verse 3, it says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, were given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Um, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to ne- temperance patience, and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity for if these things be in you and abound then make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our lord jesus christ and these things are building upon each other that um this relationship now we're now we're a little bit off of the topic maybe um but this plan of salvation has has been that men might come to the Father through Jesus Christ, and and as they come to Jesus Christ, um, I just turned away from it and um, in the Book of Mormon where I was going to quote, but as they come to the gate of Jesus Christ, it's going to change them. It's uh, I loved our episode on uh, on grace. I haven't had a chance to go listen to it recently, but I did listen to the sermon again recently that we all listened to. Um, by Brad Wilcox on his grace is sufficient. And it's just, I get something from it every time I feel like, but um, this grace, this power that he has given unmerited, undeserving of anything we've ever done, um, he gives to us that through it, we might change, that we might be more like Jesus. And you have Peter here talking about building blocks as you, as you learn to wield that not wield that power but let that power change you and become more like jesus so that you may be able to stand right there um, at the judgment bar clean and spotless like so many of the the people in the book of mormon say um who's you know nephi i believe says it jacob says it um skipping ahead to the very end moroni says it that he will stand there spotless um at the at the pleasing bar um you know, right beside us. Um, Jason, you've been quiet. Do you have anything to add before? Um, I don't really have anything different to add per se, but I just say like lately, especially um, it's kind of been weird. I've been finding a lot of semi comfort in the fact that everyone is bad Um, and that's weird to say, but we all are bad. No one can be good in the eyes of God and God knows that. And God has his judgments and his justice. And when I think of what we deserve, 
it's so humbling and powerful to me because we really deserve death and torment and and hell like because and, and i'm not trying to be a downer here because it's such an amazing thing that god loves us each individually so much that he gave his son it's the whole point of john 3 he doesn't want to lose one yeah right. and we know that men have their agency and that some have chosen right not to yeah, be exactly. in the presence of god but he doesn't want to lose them yeah he and, and he is constantly calling for us to be in his presence that's that's the crazy thing about our god is he's not trying to just punish us all the time for all of our wrongdoings he is just saying hey i am here i have sent my son to pay your debts now i just need you to love me and it says in john if you love me you will keep my commandments and so that's the goal that's what our day-to-day lives should be dedicated towards is loving god and our act of love is to keep his commandments and also um as christ said to peter um feeding his sheep and so we have what we should do in our day-to-day life laid out for us and something that i say we say almost every single episode is Christ wants to have a relationship with us. And I think one of the most powerful messages of the Book of Mormon up to this point and beyond is a call to have a change of heart and recognize that we are a fallen people, but Christ is there for us on the other side and and repentance really isn't even us saying we're sorry repentance you don't even have to say anything to repent in my opinion because what repentance is is humbling yourself and turning away from sin and obviously you're doing that while you know praying to god and communing with him but when you love him and you're keeping the commandments, you're also going to be repenting. And through that repentance, you're washed clean and you are a new person every time you repent and you're going to keep failing. You're going to keep failing, but God's patient with us. He, his love doesn't end. And when I think of salvation, that's what I'm thinking of is the love of Christ and his call for us to be with him. And just for clarification, uh, repentance, uh, uh, on an individual level doesn't often need to include like out loud saying, Oh, I'm sorry. But if it, if there, if there was wrong done to another, you definitely need to repair that relationship. And that is, and that is the, like, uh, I I know that's, I know what you meant, but like, just, just for clarification's sake, those steps to 
do the opposite would be to repair the relationship. Yeah. And point if your sins yeah. involve other people, yeah. then you definitely have to do more than just, yeah. And, and a changed heart would actually be to mend those relationships too. Um, right. So yeah, you know, exclusively, you know, kind of depending on your situation, repentance, uh, Sorry, yeah, I, I knew a, that wasn't your too. point. Yeah, but, no, uh, that, that's that's a good clarification I, to have. But yeah. I think, <clears throat> you know, part of repentance is, um, well, let me back up. Um, confessing is a part of repentance, but confessing is not true repentance. Right, you can have, yeah. you can say, hey, I'm sorry. But like, like you said, the action is what, turning away from it and filling that with something else, that's true repentance where... It be, it becomes not an I'm sorry, but a uh, Lord I've done this as in uh, I've stepped closer to you. That's that's repentance um, in my mind, and I think I think we all are on the same page. Um, I I think about that and and uh, and, and this quote um, that we know um, that that a lot of people maybe the evangelical world see um, salvation is what Jesus has saved us from. Um, and I, that's, that's so true. Um, but we know what Jesus has saved us for. Um, and I think that's, that's so cool to see in this, this plan of, of salvation is, is Jerem referencing, um, this Jacob three has been my, um, like, I, I still don't feel I understand it as, as well as I should, but just the fact that I know that the Lord wants the whole vineyard, right? That's his his plan, like I said before, he doesn't want to lose anybody. Um, he saved us for um, a holy and a righteous purpose. And I'm, I'm going to reference a scripture um, that we talked about with Joel's, in Joel's part one and two, both parts that we, that we never ended up reading. Um, but that it's so important because it, it's like the image of it is in my mind, salvation. It is the culmination of salvation um, or the plan of salvation. And, um, or I don't know if it's culmination, the right word. I don't know what the culmination, that's the ending, right? Yeah. The summation. Yeah, the summation. Okay. Same word. Basically. So, um, and it's in Genesis seven sixty nine and 70. It says, and great tribulation shall be among the children of men, but my people will I preserve and righteousness will I send down out of heaven and truth will I send forth out of the earth and to bear testimony of mine only begotten. And so you have just a rabbit hole here. You have the summation. Okay. This is the summation, but the catalyst, the, the peak of the plan of salvation has always been and will always be that only begotten, which is Jesus Christ and that relationship you have with them. Um, and so that testimony born of Jesus Christ is is pouring out of heaven and it says his resurrection from the dead and also the resurrection of all men that all men through this testimony through um jesus christ may be partakers in this plan of salvation and righteousness and truth by cause to sweep the earth as with a flood and we know that there was a devastating flood um with noah where everyone was destroyed save noah and his family you have righteousness and truth tearing down those things that are not bearing testimony of the only begotten that are have no place in a world which is good as god called it in uh in the creation story um 
to gather mine own elect from the four quarters of the earth unto a place which I shall prepare, a holy city that my people may gird up their loins and be looking for for the time of my coming. For there shall be my tabernacle, and it shall be called Zion and New Jerusalem. And I think of, you know, both of these things so important in the plan of salvation that um, Jesus and his message of the kingdom and, and what he's done for us being able to now take part in that plan ourselves, what we have been saved for to be a part of this plan now um, is such an exciting, it can't be overstated, it can't be over-celebrated. And um, the Book of Mormon writers know this, and you can see it in all their writings talking about Jesus Christ over and over and over again and and the testimony they bear of him, um, how important and how valuable it is. And... Andrew's flipping through his scriptures, so I, I don't know if he has anything. He's, he's shaking his head no. So I just said I can't over-celebrate or over-talk about it, but an effort to, to fit more of Jerem into this episode um, and not to use up all our material for future episodes because that could probably, you right, you could probably talk about Jesus every single episode. Um, we're going to, I think, move on. Um on a completely different note, um, this is the history of the people with the Nephite people with Jerem. Um, he's saying that there's a lot to be done among the, his people, and and I think that's kind of funny because you can totally see that now today. If you look at the news or even not at the news outside, and said, "Whew, there's a lot of work to be done." Um, this is an interesting point um, that we, I think, challenges us. And, and that's what I want to do when I bring this up because I think it challenges some ideas we have. And it says um, that the, the people are, are being preached to. Um, they are observing the Sabbath. Um, they're, they're not blaspheming. And verse 13, it says, And the laws of the land were exceeding strict, which is completely different from um, what we would be willing to subject ourselves to. Um, today and maybe um, and there'd probably be some people that that argue that and say well we have the choice to to live by and that's true um, we have the choice to live by whatever laws um, sorry we have the governmental laws right um, but if we have laws that we want to hold ourselves to have a higher standard we are free to do that that's true um, but I found it interesting um, that the laws were exceedingly strict and they're exceedingly strict for the purpose um, to teach the people um, about Jesus and to teach the people to be obedient unto the Lord. And I'm going to bring Andrew in because I just listened to a podcast he did um, with Mike Barrett in May. Uh, it, was, it was a while ago. Yeah, I don't remember when. Um, I believe it was May. Uh, he referenced it. It was either May or March, one of the M's. And, um, and you talked about... Um, God working with us where we can, uh, where he can. And you talked about um, him packaging the Book of Mormon in a way that we would be willing to accept because his end goal is our salvation. And so through that, he's going to give us something that we'll receive it in, right? He wouldn't want to. So I found it interesting that this, uh, this verse here in the laws of the land were exceeding strict in the terms of a righteous, righteous sense because we often associate that with an evil king, high taxes, he was like, like King Noah, you know, having strict laws and and taxing the people heavily or whatever. You have a, you had a few scriptures, I think, about 
this topic if I can bring you in. Well, I might reference a couple of scriptures, but first off, um, you know what's what's really interesting about this is that, um, and I might get very poignant here. I, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll we'll see. I guess just bear with me. Is that we live in a very blessed land? Uh, I don't think anybody could argue that America is one of the most prop- prosperous places on earth, and uh, we've been blessed with a lot of good things, a lot of great things. I don't know if it's chief among them, but one of the one of the core American values is freedom. And um, I would say yes. I would yeah. say that is the chief the chief one. When th- th- that's what I, that's what we cl- or that's what we parade. Anyway. Right, right, and so land of opportunity, freedom, you know, and, and it's, um, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. Right. It's, it's central to being an American. Okay. And we take that and we look at the first battle that happened between, it wasn't really a battle. It's just an argument, I guess, but it could have been a battle between Satan and God. And that was due to agency, the, the choice of freedom. Like, were you, were we free to choose? Satan was on that, that of the opinion that we shouldn't get to choose. Obviously God was on the opposite side saying we should have that freedom. And I think we, I think we intertwine those two American freedom and God's will for us to have agency a little too tightly, uh, a little too tight. And, um, now, Bear with me because I don't want to offend anybody, but at the same time, I want I want to get this point across, and that that is God fought for you at the beginning of time so that you could have the chance to choose between good and evil. No one is going to take that away from you because God is on your side. No one can take that away from you because God is on your side. So, so anything that you're saying from now on that is oh, well, they're taking my freedom away. They are not taking your agency away, which is to choose good from evil, which is what God wanted. Okay, they may be taxing you. Yes, that's fine. They may be telling you to wear masks. Okay, whatever. Uh, I don't like masks either, but they may be telling you to do who knows what, but they're not making it so that you can't follow God. And that is most important. And so... uh. It has been a very um, touchy subject, especially with the the arrival of the new mask controversy, um, is that so many people are like, well, they're taking away our liberties. They're, they're making us do these things. Yes, they are making us do these things. So what? <laughs> our responsibility is, we, we were talking a little bit before this, is that God said specifically in several instances, I leave with you this kingdom and it's yours until I come. In Romans, it tells us that kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy, okay? And if we have that with us, it's righteousness, peace, and joy that we are given stewards of until he comes again. Our responsibility as Christians is to have peace and joy in our lives regardless of our circumstance outward. Do you you know where that scripture is where he says i leave this until i come again in section i'll find it really fast but i think it's 34 sorry i didn't mean to sidetrack you but just for a reference what yeah 34 6d in the doctrine and covenants fear not little flock the kingdom is yours until i come 
Behold, I come quickly, even so I'm in. I, I look at that and it is paramount to this topic of salvation. Like, like we talked about, we're, we're being saved to or for, you use the um, terminology for, for a purpose, okay? And this is part of our purpose, that we would be a light in this dark world. And so when the world is getting darker, it's okay to still shine your light. And, and there is no reason to complain. There is no reason to be a bad example because those are what you should be concerned about, not the laws of the land. I'm not telling you that you should ignore politics or vote for bad things, but it's your responsibility. I, can I jump, just yeah. make a, clarifi- a second voice for the clarification? I, not definitely, we're definitely not saying... Don't use your stewardship of of this kind. Like that's a that's a good thing that we have stewardship, and we and we need to be good stewards of our country and and take care of it and and vote and and vote righteously. But I I know you're not making that point, yeah. but just clarification. Continue. And it's a good clarification. I just mean there are too many people. We we talked a little, a little bit about this before. There's a a quote from Arthur Oakman that says, "There's a universe outside and around you, and it's everything you can see. But there's also a universe inside of you, and it's more infinitely more important than the one that's around you." Okay, and that that so many people are concerned about. Oh, they're taking my agency away, and and they are not. They that flat out they are not. I uh, and I just want you to know. I want myself to know that no matter our circumstance, our our responsibility because of that first battle where God says, No, I want to give I, I want I want to give them that freedom to choose. It's our responsibility to choose good and and we can't get held up by our circumstance. And I feel like a lot of people are falling into that, and myself included. I'm not not preaching to everybody else, obviously, just to everybody else. Um, but anyway, sorry about the rant or anything, but I felt that, like that was important, especially because this is a real issue uh, in the world right now, especially in America. With It's kind of annoying. Masks are annoying, but there's a lot of complaining going on, and I don't think that's quite wise. I, I'm going to share a little bit of a story, and it's not a testimony or anything. It's just, it, it, might, be, it might be my version of a weird analogy. Um, Andrew and I have both gone on missionary trips with Doug Smith, and Doug, Doug has this awesome um, attitude about pretty much everything. Um, you'll never, you'll never find him uh, unfocused for something other than the kingdom for long. But he has this rule called the eighty percent rule. Did he use this with you in Nepal all the time? Eighty um, percent of the time. <laughs> yeah. So the rule is because he brings people over all the time. You know you. Know, that want to go on on trips and minister and and uh but doug's been over there over 50 times to africa specifically Easily. to africa yeah. um and then he's been to nepal uh, a few t- once or twice several times anyway yeah. that's not the point yeah. the the 80 rule is that 80 percent of the time in these foreign lands wherever you are in the mission field doug has no idea what's going on <laughs> right so if you if you go up to doug on in the mission field he says Doug, what's the plan for lunch? He's going to say 80% rule because Doug has no idea what's going on for lunch. Doug has no idea what what's is go- planned. What, what's yeah. planned because oftentimes we have trouble communicating or, or sharing or it just plans change like that in the, the blink of an eye. The part 
and and the eighty percent rule is a joke. I mean, a joke, right? You know, he just uses it to lighten the mood. I think. I think it's true. Eighty percent of the time, we don't have any idea what's going because we're at the whim of whoever's taking us around. But the part, the learning part of that is that the twenty percent of the time that you can, fo- the, the the stuff that you do know, that's what you prepare for. That's what you focus on. That's what you, um, you build around. Um, when it comes to stuff, um in in our own lives where we order stuff as as important as it is um 80 of us don't all right we don't know 80 percent of what's going to happen um around but we do know some things um we know that the lord will have his victory um we know that um jesus christ is the son of god and we, and we can build off these things we know that um that zion will be we know you know you can so yada 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 and and these are the things that if you you really believe um, that you will build around that you will say I'm going to cling to um, I'm going to focus on these because I can have a part in this the story to play of the salvation of our world um, and I can play a part um, in the relationship I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We may have spent too long on uh, I don't think we did on on this part. Um, <laughs> if you have any questions you can send them to andrew or uh <laughs> i'll forward you on to doug <laughs> um or hate mail um we can't our inbox is full in that case <laughs> um but i but i think the focus is here is that the bottom line always has to be the pursuit and and, and this is what jerem was referencing earlier the bottom line always has to be the pursuit of Jesus Christ and the salvation that is offered through him. Um, and I can end it at that really, um, the topic, uh, we're going to move on. Um, <laughs> so we, this is our second take of, of Jerem. Um, in the first take, I mentioned that we're going to, we're going to pull things from Jerem and, and have little mini sermonettes, almost not sermonettes, but discussionettes. If no one has anything, Else, we're going to go to 17. And the reason I say discussion nets is because they're just vastly different from each other in terms of what we're talking about. This is a really, really important one because we were talking about this one earlier too. This is verse 17. It says, But our kings and our leaders were mighty men in the faith of the Lord, and they taught the people the ways of the Lord. And because of their mighty leaders, they're able to withstand the Lamanites. They're able to stay strong in the faith. And so I asked, I've asked, Andrew before, and I, and I believe I've asked Jason, the question was actually asked of me probably a month ago, who are the leaders of the church, right? Who would you say the leaders of the church? And we were having this discussion back and forth on, on who we thought were, were mighty men um, of the Lord who could step up. Do you guys have thoughts on that? Or do you, we, we talked briefly about it before, but Jason, what would you say of, of either who are the mighty men um, in, in your own life or, or the importance of them? What do you have to add? I know you've been kind of quiet. Yeah, I'd say I'd, I'd hesitate to answer specifically the leaders I see. It, it's just, you know, everyone has their own opinion on who are better leaders than others and all that. And with our church structure as the way it is now we can't just you know point to a prophet and be like hey he's our leader but 
it is important to have strong people in the faith and people who will point you to keep the commandments and, and encourage you and and like Joel said in our episode a few weeks ago someone who doesn't really want to be a leader is usually a pretty good leader and um someone who in their own life will follow before they lead and following Christ and um and, and so i just think that when we see in Jerem and um later on in omni and um uh, or omni or however you want to say it the the state of the nephites and lamanites really and their society and their day-to-day life kind of harkening back to what we were just talking about um in our day-to-day life and our society the the state and um, prosperity of the lands that they were in was directly related to the leaders keeping the commandments and um, if you do have strong leaders who are enforcing these you know strict laws that they had and um who truly follow Christ and are led by Christ, then we're going to be in a great place and we're going to prosper. Like that's Mm -hmm. a promise that God has given us throughout all of time is if you keep the commandments, you will prosper. And as soon as we can say that, we can also say as soon as you stop keeping the commandments, then your, your prosperity has gone and you're worthy of destruction at that point. Um, well, you see it in, you mentioned it, you see it in the book of Mormon from the beginning with some accepting Nephi as their leader and others rebelling against that. And then Laman and Lemuel were the leaders of their own culture and, and how that permeated through the rest of the, the story, the history of the cultures of their day to day life was so vastly different because of their original leaders that they accepted. Mm-hmm. And, and we saw a little microcosm of that too in Jacob with with Sherem, and he probably got people to follow him, but he wasn't a good leader. Um, he was actively going against Christ, and so that's what where that precursor to a good leader comes in. Of your your leader has to be following Christ, and that will be the biggest indicator of um, if you should follow because. It, it is human nature to need someone to follow or need someone to lead. And people need leaders and not everyone should be a leader. Not everyone's called to be a leader. If you only had leaders, <laughs> it'd be a problem. Yeah. That's almost what we have now. Th- that is, right? that is kind of what we have. Everyone now. thinks that they're the leader in a way. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, we, before... We have a lot of discussion before this podcast specifically because we we didn't have a time to... This is the first time we've been back together in a, f- a week and a half over uh, two weeks, maybe. Um, and I just want to get caught up on on everything we've been reading. I had a, a little bit of change of change of view and, and had to come around because uh, I I forget what we were talking about. We were talking about some instance in the church and um, and in, in today's day-to-day life. And, and my thought process was, well, this is happening... Um, unfortunately, because we like the Israelites have need a king or we like the Jaredites need a king. And I was looking at this specific instance. I can't even remember what it was, 
negatively because I was like, well, the Israelites wanted a king and now we're just repeating the same process. Well, you know, talking to people um, and, and looking at the scriptures and stuff, there is plenty of times um, that God has used a leader because it's natural. Like we need someone to look at. And even in after Jesus um, came, he resurrected and then he sent it back. The Lord used the apostles as the leaders of, of the church um, to to guide the saints, to lead them. Um, that's redundant. The leader led them. Um, but like you have Paul messaging Corinth and, and Philippi and so because they need a leader. They need guidance. And uh, um, Andrew, what was um, I'm, I'm going to bring you in um, on this because you had we had an in, we had an interesting experience um, in Maine where no one would share um, testimonies with the youth uh, in our youth prayer services, um, and so we asked them to look to the leaders. And you can go ahead and and share that kind of experience if you know where I'm going. Yeah, so all we did, we we were in charge of leading a youth prayer service um, and for everyone that has dealt with teenagers, getting them to share anything is a task, you know, and and so getting them to share prayers and testimonies is quite the task, you know, and, and we were trying to think of creative ways in which to get them to share. And we thought... Um, you know, they might not be able to share their own testimonies, but I know every one of them had somebody that brought them there. So we thought, let's ask them to um, ask their parent, their grandparent, their older friend, what their testimony of Christ was. And their homework for the next day was to come and share someone else's testimony. Uh, I didn't really know what you were... No, yeah, so yeah. that experience, um, leaning on our, our thoughts of leaders today, um, I put together a little bit of a challenge um, due to that. And, and it's actually for for parents or for leaders in, in, in positions where they can influence others, okay? Um, and it's to ask either your children or your spouse or whoever you're close to, whoever you might influence as a leader, okay? If they know your testimony, like we we had those kids ask their parents, you know, what is your testimony? If if they do know your testimony, have them tell it to you. See see how close they can get to your testimony of Jesus Christ. But the the third part is the part that I think makes the leader or is is evidence of a good leader, and that is, does my ask them, does my life actively reflect that testimony which I shared? We have back in Genesis. I can tie, so I'm trying to tie all these little dis- discussion nets together with a with a maybe one of those red strings, you know, that they said I've been playing. Like it's connected somewhere. Um, you have righteousness, righteousness and truth sweeping the earth through the te- with the testimony of the only begotten. So how is the testimony of Jesus Christ in your own life sweeping those are sweeping to those around you, right? And, and that's going to be through actions, through the fruit you bear, through the way you speak. Your behavior is your biggest indicator or is your biggest testimony. There's that quote, uh, preach the gospel and use words if necessary because your, your actions are what's going to do it. Um, that's whether you're being a good steward of the kingdom he's given you mm-hmm. residence over, you know, yeah. like back to that. And so I think... Um, Somehow I morph from the importance of good leaders into what good leaders should do, or if you're a leader, what you should do. 
and that is to bear your testimony of Jesus Christ in the most full way possible. And I totally cut Jason off before he was done talking and and uh no. <laughs> it's just trying to throw him under the bus so he could start talking to him. Well, I I guess I could kind of just give an example of the importance of your testimony uh that I just experienced a couple weeks ago. Um I was co-leading a uh Zions League trip. We went to Oklahoma and there a new member of the church was along with us and she has become, you know, very excited about the church. Um she was able to have her first, you know, communion service on the trip and so very fresh and really kind of on fire for God at the at, at the moment and she kind of tested our leadership a little bit because we we were all just sitting around during free time we're in a lake house and kind of scattered around um some leaders weren't there but she like literally the leaders are just sitting around talking having a good time you know not really doing anything specifically and she just sits down in the middle of our group and was like, all right, guys, share your testimony of Christ. And we're all like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> and we end up, um, you know, each leader and a- another uh, leaguer that was along all ended up sharing our testimony of Christ. And it was such a joy for her to hear these things. And so she was seeking them out. She was looking to a leader to perpetuate the joy um in Christ to her and you know keep strengthening her faith and and so if you're willing to share with others it it really is a building block in their own faith and that is something that's really important and and the other thing to bring it back to something I've already said is some of the most impactful testimonies of Christ. And I don't think you really have a testimony of Christ that doesn't include this, but all of our testimonies included ways that our hearts had been changed and ways that we were able to experience his love. And if you have a testimony of a changed heart and the love of Christ, then that is so powerful and everyone should be sharing that testimony with each other. Um, not just leaders or not just priesthood, not just anyone. If you can share your testimony with others, if you don't know the testimony of your family members, if you don't know your test, the testimony of your friends, go ask them because it's such a great way to actually see how Christ is working in all of our lives because he is working. And this isn't even just extra fluff that'll make people feel good. This is commanded. Like mm-hmm. you're, you are told to share your testimony. And if you don't share your testimony, you'll be held accountable for it. I mean, because he's given you something that you could have never done yourself. That changed heart is something you could have never come to or stumbled across. But because he blessed you in such a way that is just magnificent, you also have a responsibility to share it. And 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 so do it. <laughs> yeah. and, and we don't have time to get into section 76, but in section 76, it says... You know, those who are strong in testimony will be of the celestial glory, which is the glory that uh, is in the presence of God. Uh, and, and so if we really want to be in the presence of God, then this is something that 
you should be doing. Um, and, and not just for yourself, but it really well, does help others. Like leaders are yeah. helpful for others. Exactly. And, and leaders are only useful as long as they point people to Christ, right? Yeah, so yeah. if you want to be an actual leader, then you're going to be bearing the light of Christ. The section at 76 episode will be coming after we're done the Book of Mormon and done sections 1 through 75 in the Doctrine and Covenants <laughs> of our yeah. second season of the podcast. Well, in the effort to, to wrap up our discussion at, um, on leadership, I'm sure we will have an episode solely focused on, um, on leadership um, individually and, and the importance of it, of the importance of being a leader in your own circles, the importance of, of finding good leaders. I'm sure we will discuss that more. If, if I'm going to look at the schedule and our kind of like our topic notes um, after this episode. And, and if I don't see one, I'll try and find a good one, a good chapter to, to make sure we talk about because it's so important, but in the effort to get to our fourth, uh, smaller discussion. I'm going to turn it over to Andrew for verse 24, um, because this is something that we wanted to talk about as well. This is one of the, one of the first things that caught my eye when reading this book, and it comes to the end of uh, verse 24. I'm just going to read it really fast. It says, well, the, all of verse 24, Wherefore the prophets and the priests and the teachers did labor diligently, exhorting with all longsuffering the people to diligence, teaching the law of Moses and the intent for which it was given. You can read 25 too. Persuading them to look forward unto the Messiah and believe in him to come as though he already was. Pretty cool. I, I really like this uh, because this was like, it's it sums up why the Jews missed Jesus when he came because they were taught the law of Moses, uh, but not for the intent. They weren't taught the intent for which it was given. That was the point them to. All right, and I guess they were. They just due to their uh, their constant need for more knowledge and yeah. uh, and then their pride and their sin, they missed it. Yeah, yeah. they ju- they just really missed it, and so the the intent was missed. And I, I really like that. Uh, oftentimes, even now, we can look the law, um, but we we have to remember there's an intent for the law as well. Um, and and that intent, just like God's work, is to bring to pass our immortality and eternal life. Uh, that that's what everything is put into place for. We talked about the plane of salvation. Everything God has put on this earth is to encourage us to have a relationship with Christ and to bring us back to Him. And so, this law of Moses, even though it seems weird that these people couldn't eat pork or or whatever, you know, it was all pointed so that they would recognize Jesus, and they missed it. And and we have that same, I won't say opportunity because it's a bad thing, we have that same chance to uh, to miss it again, the, to miss the intent of the law that we have been given, because we have a lot of things that people just look at and say, wow, this is a physical law. Tithing, uh, it's a physical law. Yeah, we're supposed to give uh, all of our money. Uh, that's great, but there's an intent in which you're supposed to give of your heart as well. And you know, it was just really cool. Uh, got my got my thoughts moving. What do you guys think about that? I think you are touching on something that, uh, that we may not discuss often in sermons or in classes for whatever reason why. Um, but that is that the why 
okay, the W H Y of the gospel or of things that happen in the gospel or sorry, of commandments we are given, there is often a biggest, bigger purpose to them. And sometimes when you lose sight of that, why we have questions on why we have to do them, right? Why, why are we commanded, you know, to go to church every, you know, every Sunday, once a week, if all that, you know, all that hinges on is, is, uh, our relationship with Jesus. Well, well, the why is that um, with a community of believers, we're strengthened, we're, we're taught, we're nourished, we are um, able to be vulnerable, we're able to come out of the world and be um, be in a place where Christ is 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 the focus. Um, and if you don't understand the why, then all you're going to see church as is a boring block of time every month or every Sunday that you have to get up early for on an otherwise normal weekend. Um, and, and, and I'm just using that one cause that one's easy. I, I think that, but you, you see it a lot with, uh, younger kids, um, and even, and even older kids too, when they don't understand the intent, then it's very hard to follow through on the commandment. It's very hard to, uh, understand, um, why you're doing, or it's very hard to keep doing it if you don't understand why you're doing it. Cause why would you do it if you didn't understand why you, well, you did it. Um, I think that's a, it's really important um, when uh, to to keep searching after these intents, and and, and I think you'll find them why they matter. Um, I'm going to name drop here. Jonah Bates is a is a really good one to talk to if 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 you have questions about. Um, <laughs> um, sorry, Jonah. Sorry, Jonah. You're going to get a flood of questions. Or actually, we hope to have him on the podcast. I think sometime if. If he'll be Dr. Jonah, Bates. that's right. Dr. Jonah Bates. Uh, sorry. Now he won't come on cause I didn't <laughs> refer to him as doctor, but he's a good one to, or he's someone talking about leaders that I've ha, read string that I've connected all four <laughs> discussions with. Um, no, now I've talked too long and it doesn't even matter cause I made my point and everyone's just over this. The, what I'm trying to get to is, um, knowing the intents for other commandments, um, makes it easier to follow commandments when we don't understand the intent of others or we don't understand the why, right? Because we're able to go back to the other things that God has commanded, see the intent, see what it's for, and say, well, if God is this good, if he's always wanted my best interest, if he's always about my immortality and eternal life dwelling with him, then I'm going to step out in faith on this one and I'm going to say, okay. I'll, I'll keep this commandment because I understand the intents of the others. And so far they've all been good. Jason, Andrew asked you what you thought about the intent part. Oh, um, so I definitely agree. And I agree with what Sam was saying. And that's what we tend to miss. And that's kind of what I'm trying to learn more about and be able to explain to people because one, Right now, one of my favorite things to say is just that we are given commandments not just to make God happy, but to actually improve our own lives. Uh, God gives us commandments to have the best life possible. It might not be the easiest life, but it is the best life possible if we are following his commandments. And if we can fully explain the whys on a lot of these commandments um 
it definitely is easier because you you want to avoid a bad life and so if you know how certain commandments help improve your life then yeah it's going to be a lot easier to follow i i'm just going to throw this in there <laughs> a few episodes later um one of the arguments and it and it's not necessarily a great argument and it's not used a lot because i think there's people focus on other ones and i i don't agree with those either but one of the arguments about the book of mormon is well we already have a bible so why do we even you know what why do we need another why do we need another bible right what's the intent because we've already been we've already got the plan of salvation um in the holy bible so what's the you know why do we need the book of mormon well you look at the intent of the book of mormon that we talked about with joel is the it's it's intent is to bring salvation to to men you know it's to bring zion it's the key to zion in heaven on earth and that's its intent is to have um or clearly define how we can be dwelling with jesus in a city here on earth and i think that just illustrates the the importance of of knowing the intent and i liked what you said jason too i just like that and in closing we can move on after this or or if you guys have Talk about it, whatever you want. But my closing thoughts for this was just, I see this really uh, plainly playing out in the lives of especially smaller kids as that you can give them a rule and they say, that's a dumb rule. I'm not going to follow it. But if you give them a rule and then tell them why, they'll be much more likely to, to follow that rule. And then the next time you tell them a rule and they don't understand it, just like you were saying, that they'll okay they have a purpose like it, they have confidence that you're not giving them dumb things to follow and ultimately that's what god's doing for us that we're that child and we don't understand why he's giving us these laws but once we have a confidence in god's character that oh he doesn't give us pointless things he doesn't give us pointless things he's giving us everything so that we can get back to him now we have a confidence in his goal. And so once we have a confidence in that, then we can move forward. And so the intent in my mind is really, really important. And on the flip side of that, you can, and this is probably the end that I stray to, like of the pendulum, this is the this is the, the far side that you can swing to, one of the two. Uh, but you can like ignore the intent or the intent can become everything and you can ignore the law. Well, that's not good either. You don't you don't want to just say, "Yeah, I know you're not uh, uh I know you're supposed to give your heart when you tithe, but I'm not going to tithe because I can just give my heart. Give my heart. Yeah, okay, buddy. Uh, and this is where I have to check myself all the time is that that intent is there and you it's good that you realize it's there, but God's commandments are higher than any commandment you can make up for yourself. And you gotta you gotta believe that, otherwise we're lost in a river with no paddle. You know, like, mm-hmm. uh, and so anyway, that that was just my closing thought. I, for yeah, that. And at some point you have to have full confidence in God and know that even if you don't know the intent, that you still got to obey. And that also comes. He he'll ask you to go somewhere and do something, a mission trip, some, you know, whatever. You've heard weird stories of people who go to 
some store when they didn't feel like they needed to and were able to help someone. Uh, but if you have that confidence in God that he is going to put you in situations that will help you or help others, then blind obedience is sometimes necessary. And But if you have that confidence, it's great to just follow God. And it won't always be blind. Uh, like, sorry, it it won't uh, be blind after the fact. Most yeah. of the time, yeah. Sometimes you'll eventually yeah, know. Yeah, you will eventually know. I'm gonna. If you guys are good there, I'm gonna move on and just a verse down. Andrew, when we did our notes before, Andrew wanted 24 and 25, and my focus was on 25 and 26, kind of for different reasons, um, but both using that that middle scripture there. Um, I love this scripture i was actually looking forward to jerem i felt like i could have done a whole or we could have done a whole podcast on just 25 and 26 because of how um how it shakes the way or it shapes the way we go about our teaching and our preaching and our and our day-to-day lives the prophets of jerem's day so that's including jerem i guess because he's prophesying revelation so he says doesn't mention any of them but so he says, um, he says that they're looking forward unto the Messiah and believe in him to come as though he already was. Um, and after this manner, did they teach them, teach the people? And I think um, this can be summed up pretty quickly, actually. I wonder if we have fallen into um, the trap of only... Um, preaching Jesus and preaching Zion and preaching um, these things for the future. And there's a, there's a very real benefit and there's a, there's a very real, I don't know the word for it, um, very real reason to teach him as if he was already here. Because uh, if, if, if we were living like, if we were living like Jesus was here with us every day already, then <laughs> guess what? He'd come in. He'd come in well with us in our everyday lives. If we were that focused on on building a relationship with with him, that he would be with us when we wake up and and when we go to bed, there'd be some very real. There'd be some awesome testimonies. There'd be some wonderful experiences because he'd be dwelling there with us. He does not have to wait. We do not have to say when Zion comes, then we get to dwell with Jesus Christ. You know. If we humble ourselves, and we talked about this at the beginning of the episode, if we are humbling ourselves and uh, repentant and we are living Zionically, then we can partake of some of the benefits that come with living in, in Zion, I think. And maybe that's enough of... We can live like Zion is already here. Exactly. Yeah, we can live like Zion is already here. And then guess what? We don't have to wait. So... I, I don't know what could be a better deal than that um, because the truth of the matter is if Zion came now, I don't think many of us would be very comfortable living in that city because of our own ways. If Jesus came down and he sent us invita- uh, invitations that said, hey, I'm going to be in Excelsior Springs on Wednesday, might as well stop by. Would you go? Would you go? Or would you be ready? Would you? I mean, there's there's a problem there. Is 
if if he's available and he is um and we aren't willing to go so go see him because there's you know there is the chance that we would be like yes i'm ready to go lord i am humble i am <laughs> that kind of came out funny because it came out confidently but it could come out confident lord i am humble i am clean i am ready for you and that would be wonderful that would be that'd be awesome kudos to you but i think many of us are not and and that's where the the concern lies questions comments disagreements really fast this just made like when you said you wanted to talk about this this made me think of we were talking about faith in africa i think and we were teaching a class on something i don't remember but um, we were talking about faith and somebody used the analogy i don't even remember who it was might have been me who knows i really it doesn't matter how weird is it yeah uh it's not very weird so it's probably not me um anyway enough with a 30 seconds intro for this 10 second thing uh we're talking about faith and it and it's like two people um say they believe in this meteorologist that he's the best meteorologist in the world and the meteorologist says it's going to rain tomorrow the person that wears the rain jacket really believes like they really had faith and 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 here as well as like they the prophets taught the people to wear their rain jacket but that ultimately yeah. like that's what they were saying like live as if the rain is coming because we're telling you it is it and i mean if you're not wearing that jacket do you really believe in in what they're telling you you know and and i think this is where christianity as a whole just gets in trouble because you hear faith and we leave out that that scripture uh says uh, faith without works is dead and it's like oh yeah faith will save us and you're like yeah it will because faith causes you to put on that jacket <laughs> if you believe there's an earthquake coming you're gonna get prepared for it if you believe mm-hmm. there's a famine coming you're gonna get prepared for it that's what faith is. you know i'm preaching in the choir but um anyway i, I just thought that it. was funny hmm? i i i think that's a, a great analogy i think that um if you'll indulge me one more time and let me tie this into the other the red string here so much red string there's so it's looks perfect it's like an actual conspiracy theory but it's real um (laughs) is that i've used this before um one of the biggest reasons people leave the church um and and, or organized religion because this article that i was reading was about all organized religion was that the children do not see the life changed life-changing effect in their parents okay and so there's this disconnect where it says hey you say you have faith you say you believe in this god you say you are are worshiping and he's all about love um where's your rain jacket like right why why aren't you wearing it and if you're not wearing it then i'm not even gonna bother right why me why am i if you're not if you love this meteorologist so much but you don't take his word then why should I even listen to the news? Why should I even check their weather radar, right? And that's just an analogy, obviously. Um, well, and further on that, um, it, it goes for people leaving the church, but it also goes for 
people coming into the church as converts. Um, if they don't see the change in our hearts, if they don't see what makes this church special or anything like that, um, no one's going to come. Mm-hmm. If we don't have a living faith that has works and, um, and if we don't fully embrace this plan of salvation and the plan of Zion and uh, preach that and what makes the Book of Mormon so special, like people are going to get their fix of church from other places. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm so glad you you brought that up, um, and and this is. Um, about converts specifically coming to the church or, or people leaving. Um, Angie and I had the opportunity to go up to Salem for part of the Northwest reunion. And, and um, the class, the adult class taught was um, on, I am the vine and you are the branches. And there, uh, just talked about briefly, um, but it is talked about um, in that class um, was that you can have false vines and too often um, and, and I would use those parents or people who love the idea of the meteorologist, but don't put faith in him as, um, they're connected to a vine, but it's not the vine. And that vine could be something that is good, but it, if it's not connected to, sorry, I said good, I meant good in quotation. That vine could be connected to something we see as good, but if it is not connected to the one who is good, then it's not good. So your vine, if your vine is church, then all you're doing is connecting to this idea of go to church on Sunday, get my insurance against being damned to hell, and I'm good. And and that's where you're going to have the problems because you're not connected to uh, to Jesus. And to wrap it all up, the relationship with Jesus, what we talked about in the beginning, um, the plan of salvation is what is evident in the Book of Mormon. Like you said, so evident in the Book of Mormon, um, so valuable. Don't let the vine be something other than Jesus that you're connected to. I think we're going to wrap it up here. Um, surprised you may be that we got, how, how long is this? Before, Before editing. editing an hour and 15 minutes. Oof. Sheesh. That's a long time. <laughs> um, we set the bar too high for all night. <laughs> um, thank you guys for listening. I hope that th- this format wasn't too uh, too weird or too confusing or too bungled or w- whatever you want to weird word. I don't. It it won't be the format for for episodes going forward. Um, although Omni is kind of in the same boat, whereas the Mormon kind of the same boat. We might end up combining those two. It's not important. Um, I hope that after an hour and 15 minutes of listening, um, that the question or the, the, the thing that has been throughout this episode is that your relationship with Jesus matters. That relationship with Jesus can do a lot of things for you. It can make you leaders. It can teach the, teach you the intent of the law. The, the things you're commanded is about strengthening that relationship with Jesus acting, not acting, but behaving as if um, Jesus is here will give you that relationship that you're, that you're searching for. Um, I hope that the testimony of Jesus Christ has been evident in this episode. Um, that's all I can wish for. 
if no one has any other questions, comments, not, I hope not questions because I'm not one to answer one, but yes, Jason. I just have a closing scripture. Oh, perfect. So section 140, ver, uh, paragraph 5. The church is admonished again that all movements towards Zion and the gathering and the temporalities connected there with are within my law and all things should be done in order. The advice and counsel of the elders and the bishop and his counsel be sought and honored when received as before enjoined, though of necessity their counsel when giving is not intended to dictate or to deny any man his agency. The work of preparation and the perfection of my saints go forward slowly and Zionic conditions are no further away nor any closer than the spiritual condition of my people justifies. But my word shall not fail, neither will my promises, for the foundation of the Lord standeth sure.